Chapter Twenty Four of the Tickencote Treasure by William Lequeux. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Four: The Mystery of Margaret Nutton. We returned to the manor, and Seal, refreshed by his lunch, seized a crowbar and, wielding it with his great strength, announced himself ready to assist us. Like ourselves he felt certain that the treasure being hidden somewhere in that house diligent search would have its reward so he started on his own account tapping walls and investigating loose boards and hollow wainscoting we had seen no more of bennett he had come to the plough probably with the object of ascertaining who we were and had departed as quietly as he had come indeed we should have been in ignorance of his visit had it not been that the skipper had recognized his voice job seal had a very quick ear he had told me long ago on board the thrush that if he heard a man's voice once he could recognize it again years afterwards sometimes partial blindness goes with that faculty but not so in seal's case no man had quicker eye or ear after half an hour's search, the skipper hit upon a likely spot which we had overlooked. At one end of the corridor, which upstairs ran the whole length of the house, was a small diamond-pane window, while at the other was a blank wall. The latter, when tapped, gave forth a hollow sound. There was a second spot, of which we had also had suspicion, namely at the side of the fireplace in the modernized dining-room below. Upon the latter we commenced first all three of us working with a will. The afternoon was hot, therefore Seal threw off his coat and vest, rolled up his sleeves, and, blowing like a walrus, wielded the hammer necessary to drive the chisel into the wall. Before long we had broken into the hollow, but again only a disappointment awaited us. It was merely one of those little long cupboards which are so often seen beside the fireplaces in old houses upon the shelf within was plenty of dust but only one object a well-preserved tapenny bearing the effigy of king charles the second that's for luck seal cried humorously let's try upstairs lads so up we went all three of us and attacked the hollow place in that outer wall the task was not so easy as that we had just concluded for it seemed that only a very small portion of the wall had been filled with plaster the rest being very hard concrete which we had to chip out laboriously with hammer and chisel the skipper was however enthusiastic in his new sphere from navigating the thrush he had turned housebreaker and the fact that the treasure might be there concealed added a keen zest to the work of investigation he worked puffing and blowing until perspiration rolled off his great furrowed face the part he had attacked was a particularly hard piece of concrete which he was painfully chipping out the plaster we had already removed disclosed a sheet of rusty iron probably placed over a door and its discovery had excited the skipper greatly he expressed himself confident that we were on the verge of a discovery and so we were the dust we raised was suffocating, while the chips of concrete flying in all directions proved a source of considerable danger to one's eyes. A piece went into Riley's left eye, but we quickly dislodged it, and we continued to work on, eager to ascertain what was concealed behind that iron-cased door. The previous door we had opened had been a labor in vain, 
but the iron upon this one had raised our hopes and we all worked with a will cutting out of the wall a piece nearly four feet square seal with our long crowbar attacked the iron itself when he struck it the hollow sound was like an explosion there's a room in here i'm sure cried the skipper then while we continued he set to work with a measuring tape taking the distance from the door of the room to the wall we were attacking and afterwards measuring inside the room from the door to the end wall he found a considerable difference in the measurements by which his excitement was increased we worked on without breathing space for the eager anticipation was contagious yet we were compelled to progress by slow degrees and to chip away bit by bit of that hard concrete which they knew how to make so well centuries ago it was almost as durable as stone itself at last we had cut it all away and the dark iron-cased door stood revealed to us looking like a modern fireproof safe only that it was not green and had no brass handle gee rusalem exclaimed the skipper i really believe that this is the actual place look how carefully it's been concealed and the iron door too let's have it open lads if we have to pull down the bloomin house to get at it we'll get the best of bennett and those murderous swabs yet again with this long crowbar he attacked the door but it was unyielding gradually however riley working more slowly and carefully was enabled to wedge his chisel between the iron and the stonework then after some difficulty the skipper's long bar was wedged into place and all three of us bore heavily upon it once twice thrice we bore down seal giving us a sailor's ahoy and all bearing together at last and all of a sudden with a terrific wrench the bolts gave way and the door flew back with a crash and a cloud of dust disclosing a small room which had been walled up for centuries the old house indeed seemed full of secret chambers riley lit the hurricane lamp and handed it to me for i was the first to enter the moment i crossed the threshold into the dark little place no bigger than a good-sized cupboard i drew back in horror on the floor in the thick dust lay a human skeleton what's the matter doctor inquired the captain entering quickly after me look i cried somebody has been walled up here look at those bones seal glanced down to the corner i indicated and the truth was at once revealed to him instead of treasure concealed there we saw evidence of what was probably some long-forgotten crime riley was beside me in an instant but there was hardly room for three of us in the narrow space i bent down and turned over the bones to examine them more closely the skeleton was doubled up as though death had taken place from hunger rather than from want of air as i held the light something sparkled and bending i saw that upon the finger bones stretched in the dust there still remained three splendid rings these and the size of the skull and certain other bones quickly told me that the person immured here had been a woman the three rings i took in my hand and examined them out in the daylight they were dull and tarnished but the diamonds in two of them were extremely fine ones while the third was a signet upon which was graven the leopard rampant of de Chornel. with the skeleton was a quantity of silk rags the remains of the rich brocade dress worn by the victim at the time she was imprisoned there 
the discovery made a deep impression upon the superstitious skipper nevertheless he assisted us to make a close and thorough search of the place from what we found it was evident that the unfortunate woman had been entrapped there and shut up to die from the remains of the ragged and brown garments we came to the conclusion that the tragedy had occurred back in the old elizabethan days for there were the distinct remains of a ruffle while scattered about were pearls from a broken string so long ago indeed had the unfortunate woman been placed there to linger until death released her that now open to the air the bones were crumbling the hair on the scalp was still long and almost black while entangled in it was a small but beautiful rope of pearls of a kind that was the fashion for women to wear in the later days of queen bess i suppose it's her ghost that haunts the place laughed riley as he assisted me to turn over the gruesome remains what asked seal seriously is this house haunted oh the villagers say so was the reply but we've never seen anything and are not likely to well whoever placed the woman there took very good care to conceal her whereabouts seal remarked yes i said without doubt the poor woman was entrapped and then walled up the same as i've heard certain nuns were treated in the old days before the reformation riley said i've read of remains of women being found walled up in convents well in this case death was certainly not voluntary you see there is no crucifix or image of any saint and re-entering i raised the lantern and examined the rough plastered walls suddenly my eyes caught a faint inscription scratched with some sharp instrument on the wall it told me two things first that the woman before her death had a light there and second it gave the name of the victim margaret nutton the writing was in that upright elizabethan character and below was an elaborate flourish there was no date only the name scratched probably with one of the pieces of sharp stone that lay upon the rough floor my companions examined it with interest and were of my opinion that it had been traced by the hand of the woman before she sank and died probably she had been held prisoner there for some time before her death because high up i discovered a small hole in the wall that seemed to run through to the exterior and had once admitted air but was now blocked up my examination too showed that the woman had had her right arm broken in her youth and that it had been set unskillfully the discovery was not only a complete surprise but also a bitter disappointment for when we all three had completed our examination of that long walled-up chamber we closed the door and regarded the great hole in the wall with considerable regret we were playing sad havoc with the house for scarcely a room did not bear the marks of our chisels and crowbars evening fell and having washed at the pump we went across to the plough for supper the day's work had been unsatisfactory and seal was silent and thoughtful as was his habit when things went badly we had revealed one gruesome secret of the manor house if nothing else we sat out in the tangled garden for an hour after our return the sunny place seemed to have lost its charm the trail of decay and desolation seemed more apparent than usual as my eyes traveled from the broken sundial to the straggling flowers on going indoors we smoked 
the skipper insisting that we should drink rum and hot water. The conversation was mostly a discussion upon likely spots to be opened on the morrow, for although the captain had been bitterly disappointed in discovering bones instead of gold, he was still undaunted. The treasure is here, I feel sure, he exclaimed a dozen times in his deep voice. We'll find it, as sure as my name's Job Seal. The existence of those secret chambers had certainly raised our hopes, yet we longed for sight of that cipher plan which the drunken Nutton had sold to our enemies. The only consolation we had was that the plan in question was just as useless to them as it was to us. That night, after several tots of the spirit which the skipper had brought us, we retired to bed. The night was a perfect one, bright moonlight without a leaf stirring, one of those calm nights when it seems a pity to turn in. I sleep heavily as a rule, and I must have been in bed three hours or so when a touch on the shoulder suddenly awakened me, and I saw in the moonlight the skipper in his shirt and trousers standing by me, a revolver shone in his right hand. "'Wake up, doctor,' he whispered. "'There's something going on in this house.' He had already awakened Riley, who was noiselessly slipping on his clothes. I started up and stared at him, as yet only half awake. "'Don't kick up a row,' Seal urged in a deep whisper. "'Listen, do you hear anything?' A curious noise fell on my ear like slow sawing. "'It's rats,' I declared. "'This place is worse than the thrush for them.' no doctor it ain't i know rats well enough where's your pistol you may want it i nipped out of bed and in a couple of minutes stood ready revolver in hand awakened suddenly out of my sleep i moved mechanically convinced that the finding of the bones and the superstition of the skipper were responsible for it all but he was in deadly earnest i saw and i think that aroused me to the true sense of the situation to move about without noise in an empty house is a rather difficult matter, but we all three crept out into the corridor and listened. The noise seemed to proceed from the center room, the one wherein we had first discovered a hidden chamber. We opened the door and entered noiselessly. Yes, the sound came distinctly from the secret hiding place. Carefully, we pushed open the thick oak door and stepped inside. The sawing stopped but below where we stood we heard men's voices speaking in gruff undertones. Our enemies were undermining the house. End of chapter 24